The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I apologize. I'm taking it from the internet, and they seem to be insisting, insisting on doing a a commercial that I don't want to have to deal with. So, please give me just a second, and we'll get this taken care of. And let's. See if we can start this thing all over again. Here we go.
man. Yes, Lord. I said amen tonight. Hallelujah. Well, I can't even walk. I can't even walk. Come on, let's sing it again, church. Oh, yes, I can. No, I can't even walk. No, I can't even walk. Oh, 
Amen. Sing that tag again, Brian. Oh, it was down on, down on my knees. Oh, my knees. Oh, I, oh, I yes, understand. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I can't. Well, I can't even walk. I can't even walk without you holding my Can't even walk without Jesus holding my hand. I need him. I need Jesus. He's putting such a, a passion in my heart for lost men and women, men and women who, who do not follow the way of Jesus Christ, who are so comfortable in their worldliness, so comfortable in their drive for success and lifestyle and entertainment. So caught up in their intellectual arguments, so caught up in what they believe and its faults. The passion that Jesus is putting in my heart, I don't know how to deal with I can't walk out the commands of Jesus without, without him taking my hand. And I'm not going to do some emotional deal and say, Oh, Jesus has my hand. I'm going to make it through. No, 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 no. This has to be real and not just emotional. It will be emotional, but it must be much more than emotional. It has to be real. It has to affect the way we do business 
or don't do business. It has to affect the way we spend our money or don't spend our money. It has to affect how we use our time or don't use our time. It's directly involved with the American dream of success versus God's vision of salvation for the lost and the dying. You cannot pursue both at the same time. You are either totally given over to Jesus and what he's called us to do, and that will involve your work. That will involve where you go, where Jesus has sent you, whether it's selling automobiles or working at NIH or working in an office, wherever it is Jesus is sending you, he's sending you as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. He's sending you because he has a vision for the salvation of the lost and the dying. But if that vision becomes mixed up with worldliness, if it becomes mixed up with our own personal agendas, we'll lose it. That's why this song is so powerful and so touching for my heart. I thought I thought I could do it. I know I can't now. And now I have to face the ugliness of failure. I talked with a, a dear brother that I've known for many years. I love him. John Hall from Ashland, Ohio. And he said, you know, Ray, I notice not very many people are watching your YouTubes. What's that about, Ray? Has God said anything to you? Well, yes, he has. I have to face the ugliness of what looks like failure in the American eyes. Because my videos don't go viral yet. A day will come when they will. The Lord said they will. But that's not what it's about for me. For me, it's about being faithful to do the work Jesus gives me to do day by day. I got up this morning. I went into the prayer closet. Frankly, earlier than I wanted to be in the prayer closet, I wanted to roll over and catch a couple more hours of sleep. And he said, no come. So I went into the prayer closet, and then after some time there, my phone began to ring with people who needed ministry at the direction of the Lord, and so I answered those calls. You see, I have to, I have to go the way of the ugliness of defeat, and for Americans, that's the absolute worst thing that could happen. Or I have to try harder, have to push more, be more ingenious in my guerrilla marketing, press forward on having a fundraiser and getting enough people to contribute so that we can go to FM and then go national. I have to go one of the two ways, or I have to go a third way. And it's that third way I want to speak to you about. 
That third way is where I no longer look at success or failure. I no longer look at my vision for what I want to accomplish. But the third way is, what is God's agenda? And how do I fit into God's agenda? How do I fit into what he wants me to do? Now, frankly, in the eyes of the world, very often what God wants me to do looks like failure to the world. It doesn't look like very much. But that can no longer be the means by which I judge. I have to judge now in my own life based on Am I being faithful to do what Jesus has called me to do? And I believe you have to judge on the same basis. Are you doing what God called you to do, or are you pursuing your own vision of success? Are you pursuing, trying harder, working more, taking from everything around you to press forward to attain this goal because it's the path you need to follow. Not necessarily God's path, but your path. Or are you just going to say, I failed and be downcast and depressed and discouraged? The first One and two options are not options for me. My only option is to say, Jesus, I can't do this. Please come hold my hand. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. There's a passage of Scripture. Let me read it to you. I was meditating this morning on this. Pardon me. It's found in Isaiah 50. I'll begin reading with verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Well, who is the servant of the Lord? It's Jesus. I fear the Lord and I am committed to obeying the word of Jesus as found in the scriptures. Then Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord. Trust in the name of the Lord. In other words, wait upon the Lord. I'm not very good at waiting on the Lord. But oh, year after year he has disciplined me to teach me to wait upon him to not venture out on my own, to not say, I've got this. Not to say, this is my responsibility and I have to do this. No. I died. I was crucified with Christ. And now, I wait upon the name of the Lord. And I rely on on my God. 
Verse 11, this is Isaiah 50, 11, but now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches. In that day, they didn't have the flashlights, right? They didn't have the electric lights, so they lit torches. So he's saying, you're in the dark. You can't see. It's not sin to be in the dark. It depends on what you do in the dark, whether it's sin or not. The night comes upon us. Every person's life will have times of great darkness where you don't know, should I turn right or left? No, you stand still. You wait on the Lord. You trust in his name. But now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. I've laid down in torment too many times. I have been sternly disciplined by God. I don't want to lay down in torment anymore. I want to walk in the peace of Jesus Christ. I want his peace to dwell within me, and it does, and I praise God for that. I felt stricken for a few minutes after my pastor friend said this to me. Ray, there doesn't seem to be very many people who are watching your YouTube videos. I was stricken. Oh, it's like a knife to my heart. And then I said, I'm not going to let him steal my joy. (laughs) I'm waiting on Jesus. I'm waiting on the Lord. I can't think of any greater privilege than to wait on Jesus. That is what I'm doing. I'm waiting on Jesus. But let me share a passage of scripture. It's found in Matthew 28. Jesus is ready to ascend into the heavens. These are the last words that Jesus will speak to his disciples as he's on earth. He spoke again from heaven. He gave the seven letters to the seven churches. He spoke in the book of Revelation. He spoke to Paul on the Damascus road. He spoke to the other apostles. But this is the last time from earth. And Jesus having come near, I like that. He came near to them. He said, I have something to tell you. Will you listen? All authority was given to me in heaven and on earth. After having gone, you must make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to keep all things, whatever I commanded you, and pay attention. Said, pay attention. I am with you all the days until the end of the age. 
Pay attention, disciples. I'm with you. I'm not going to desert you. And you must go and do this work of the gospel. You must baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You must teach them to observe all things that I commanded you. We know that as the gospel commission. But look over here at Mark. He he has a bit of a different slant on this. I want to share it with you. This is Mark 16, verse 15. Having gone to the entire world, you must preach the gospel to all the creation. The one having believed and having been baptized will be saved, but the one not having believed will be condemned. Now these miracles will follow the ones having believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they may drink a deadly thing, it will have no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will have good health. In Matthew 24, there is another passage that talks about the very last day in the great revival time just before Jesus comes. And it says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole earth. Now, the problem I'm having is that this is going to require immense power from the Holy Spirit. These miracles are to follow the ones having believed in Jesus. They're going to cast out demons. In other words, they're going to have authority over the demons. They're going to speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means harm them. In other words, they're going to deal with deadly things. And it's not going to hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick. They will be restored to health. These are the promises that God has made will accompany the preaching of the gospel. These things do not accompany the preaching that I do of the gospel. Now, we can come up with many reasons why that's so. But the fact is, in some parts of the world, this is happening. Many places in Africa and China and other nations, the miracles are following the gospel as it's preached. Even in Africa, where much of the gospel being preached is the false American gospel, still miracles are happening. In the beginning of the Argentine revival, great miracles took place. What it tells me is that we in America have so compromised with the world, with the flesh, and with the devil that we have not received and we have not hungered for 
the Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I was baptized, when I chose to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit sealed me for the work of the gospel. That doesn't mean I can't fall away. There are many examples in Scripture of a man or woman falling away from Jesus and going to perdition. Judas, chief, but we have lots of reasons why we can excuse him, but there are other New Testament examples, Hermas and others, who fell away and who were cursed and who lost their salvation. But I... I want to read another scripture. Luke, Luke, the 24th chapter. Luke, I should have turned to it beforehand, but I didn't. Luke 24. I'm going to begin reading uh, with verse 44. These are the words that I spoke to you while being yet with you, that it is necessary to fulfill all things having been written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it has been written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer to rise from among the dead on the third day. And repentance and removal of sins to be preached in his name to all the nations. It is repentance that we're to preach. And then it is aphemy, which we usually translate as forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness. But the word aphemy means removal separation from it's a removing of the sin from our hearts it's repentance where we turn from it and then it's aphemy which removes it from us and leaves us clean and you are the witnesses of these things but listen i'm sending the promise of my father upon you but you must stay in the city of jerusalem until you may Clothe yourselves with power out from on high. You may clothe yourself with dunamis, with dynamite, with power out from on high. There is a power from on high that we desperately need in the American church. The problem is We found many ways with our intellectual understandings and today with our technology to do what we call the work of the gospel. And so we're split apart. We are separated. And now with COVID, we are separated even more. We think we can have Jesus' hand and do our own deal. We can't. 
if we're going to hold Jesus' hand, we're going to have to go where he takes us, not where we take him. The American church has tried to take Jesus to praise and worship without repentance. The American church has tried to take Jesus to a comfortable, culturally acceptable place. And Jesus didn't come. We've decided we must take Jesus with us to our responsibilities. Never mind that in the parable of the seed sown, there is the part of the parable that talks about the seed falling on good ground but being choked out by the thorns. Chief among those thorns, the responsibilities of life as well as doing the things we want to do, loving the things we want to love. Look, can I be very straight with you? The Gospel Commission is binding upon every man and woman. There is no New Testament separation between clergy and laity. That is a false separation. We are all called, according to Ephesians 4, to be ministers of the gospel. And pastors and teachers are given, prophets, evangelists, are given to equip God's people to do the work of ministry. So, have you fulfilled the gospel commission? I have been every effort to fulfill the gospel commission. I've poured my life out to accomplish that goal. And I have been spectacularly unsuccessful, a failure. I have to be honest. I consider myself the pastor of Reelsville. We are missing the power of the Holy Spirit. As one pastor said to me, we are bringing people into the church with intellectual argument, with logic, with human ability, and we are failing the work of the gospel. Oh yes, we get one here and there, but most of the time, we don't get anyone. People will come so far, they'll say yes, and then they're gone. Even I've experienced among men and women who seem serious about Jesus. You pray with, you talk with, but then they're gone. I've had that experience over and over and over and over. Have you had that experience? Do you know what I'm talking about? Until we've come to the point where most don't talk with anyone about Jesus anymore. They just kind of live the best life they can live and they they go through the trials and the tribulations that everybody else is going through. They have the financial difficulties. They have the responsibilities for their children and their family. They have this and they have that. 
but they're, they're not winning the loss to Jesus. That's not acceptable before God. That's not what God wants for us. It's not what the Gospel Commission says we're to be doing. But I can't do it. And so on one hand, I'm either a flaming, ugly failure. Or on the other hand, I should be smarter and better guerrilla marketing and try harder and be more logical and and get a good organization to back me up and and go for it. Well, I know men who have done that and they have been frankly very successful. David Wilkerson was one of those a wonderful wonderful church, Times Square Church. But I can tell you this, David Wilkerson died of a broken heart. I know I spoke with him shortly before he died. Yes, he died in a car accident, but no. I embraced him warmly the last time we met. And he just said, Ray, we're not getting the work of the gospel done. He's right, we're not. Try harder won't do it. Sinking into despair and cynicism and angry judgment of sinners who do not come to the gospel, that's not the answer either. Got to come back and say, it's obvious we don't have the medicine needed to transform the hearts and lives of men and women. And we have to face that. And finally say, I've got to walk on my knees. Jesus, I need you to come hold my hand. So I'm fasting and I'm praying and I'm waiting on Jesus. That's what he told me to do. He didn't tell me to try harder. He didn't tell me to run a fundraising campaign to raise money so I could be on a wider radio audience. He didn't tell me to do that. He said, wait upon the Lord, and the Lord will carry you through. Rest in me, Ray. He said that to me audibly one morning about 3 a.m. That's what I'm doing. So I am, in the eyes of the world, spectacularly unsuccessful. And I am, in the eyes of the church, unsuccessful. But I'm not going to let my joy be stolen because I am in obedience to Jesus, waiting on the Lord. And he is about to do something incredible. He is about to break out in in revival power. The Holy Spirit is coming in power. 
I want to be a part of that move of God. And you know what? If I die before it happens, I'm okay with that too. I gladly will face the judgment bar of God and be able to say, I have faithfully waited upon you, my Lord, and I have done exactly what you told me to do. Now, in all honest confession, I have many times in my ministry sought to break through in the flesh. And every time has ended in disaster. So, yes, the Lord told me, organize a church. So we have the National Prayer Chapel, a house church. And I'm on the internet, and I'm here with you on radio, podcasts. I'm not being judged the way the world judges. I'm being judged on whether I will wait on the Lord and be patient and cry out fast and pray and let him put such a passion in my heart for the lost that all I can do in the prayer closet is weep over precious brothers and sisters that need to come to Jesus and trust that he will do that. Now, if you look at Acts, I don't know, maybe maybe we should look even in John, but, but let's go to Acts. We're almost out of time. In Acts, the first chapter, verse 8, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit having come upon you. These men were converted. They already had the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed upon them, but they didn't have power. They were with Jesus as they ministered together with him, and then he put power upon them to go out temporarily to raise the dead, to cast out demons. That wasn't their power continually while they walked with Jesus. But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit having come upon you. And you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the very ends of the earth. This is personal power to live a godly life. But it's also supernatural power to break the sin and carnality in other men and women's lives. This is the Pentecost power. Jesus is then taken up into glory. And while the day of Pentecost being fulfilled, they were all with one accord in the same place. And suddenly there came out from heaven the noise of the rushing of a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues of fire 
parting off and sat upon each one of them, and they were filled by the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues of a different kind as the Holy Spirit was giving to them to speak out. And that was not known as tongues in the modern world. This was actual tongues. This was foreign languages. And they began to speak out in those languages, and men from every background could understand their gospel proclamation in their own language. Look, this work of the gospel does not belong to you, and it does not belong to me. It is not supposed to be my my job. It's my life. It requires that I lay down everything for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean I quit working. It means I go to the job and I am the salt of Jesus in that place. I am the testimony of the Holy Spirit in that place. And things happen because of my testimony. I'm a full-time pastor. And I still lack that power. Now you can say, oh, I received that power, pastor. Okay, show me your converts to Christ. Show me the work of the gospel going forward with power in your life. Don't, don't play games with me. I have yet to meet anyone in America who has this power. And the, and the great men like David Wilkerson that I spoke with at length about this issue said to me, Ray, we just have to go in the anointing we have. For some reason, the Holy Spirit is being withheld. Leonard Ravenhill prayed until the day he died for this great outpouring of Holy Spirit power to save the lost and the dying. I may die also praying for that, but I will not play games with this power and pretend that I have it, pretend that Jesus is holding my hand when it's evident to anyone who has eyes to observe. I am falling far short in the work of the gospel because I don't have that Pentecost power. And frankly, if you claim you have it, show me your fruit. I'm tired of pretend apostles. I'm tired of pretend Holy Spirit. I'm tired of pretend church services where Oh, the Holy Spirit is here. No, your emotions were cranked up with the, with the praise and the worship. Yes, the Holy Spirit is in our churches sometimes. But we need something much more than feelings and emotion. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit or we're going to end up like Noah preaching for 200 years and only his family joining him in that ark because the Holy Spirit was not poured out. The world was corrupt and God judged it. I'm praying now for the mercy of God not to do that with fire on the earth, but instead to fulfill the promises he's made in the scriptures and to me 
Matthew 24, where he promised there would be one last great revival and turning back to Jesus. Now, does that mean wholesale? No. Many are called, but few are chosen. But there should be many more few than there are now. So I can't blame people for turning away and walking in their sin. I have to come back to the prayer closet and deal with Ray Greenley and say, Lord, I'm going to wait upon you. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to weep before your throne. I'm going to cut off in my life And I'm not telling you to do this. I'm telling you what I'm doing. I'm cutting off all the extraneous things. And I'm staying quiet before God. And I'm searching for him in the scripture. I'm searching for him in the prayer closet. I'm fulfilling Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke, the 11th chapter. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. God is not hesitant to pour out his Holy Spirit. Don't buy into, well, it's, it's God's timing. No, the God's timing is always now for the salvation of men and women. It's me, it's us, it's the church. Don't blame the pagans and don't blame God. Some of you go month after month and year after year with no fruit to show the salvation of the lost and the dying. Until that makes you weep before God, you've not yet understood the gospel commission. You don't understand yet the gravity of our situation before a holy and righteous God who is going to hold accountable his church. But I can't do it without his Holy Spirit. I'm asking God to take my hand and take your hand and lead us to where he wants us to be. Wherever that is, I want to be where Jesus wants me to be. I want to be in that place where the anointing power of Pentecost can once more be poured out in America. Well, we're out of time. I'm not going to let the devil steal my joy. I'm going to stand faithful before God. I'm going to do everything he tells me. I'm going to witness. I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going to do everything the scripture tells me to do. But I'm also, first and foremost, waiting on Almighty God. I'm waiting on Jesus to send forth by the Father, the Holy Spirit. I'm not making excuses, I'm accountable. Oh, Lord, I'm asking, please, that all the delusions of the, of the world will be cast off. I'm asking that all the delusions of the church would be cast off, that we would come humbly before you, repenting of our busyness and our diversions and our sin that we could be cleansed by your blood and filled with your spirit, that we could be used for this one great last push by the Holy Spirit, the Lord of the harvest, 
for lost men and women. Give us tears of passion for the lost. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, we're in the last two weeks of this month, and we are still very far from having what we need to pay for the radio. Would you help? Would you go to our home webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com? Thank you, dear sister, who gave this morning that $100 donation. We need many more of those. Would you help cover the cost of this radio? You can give online. Or you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can go for information on the National Prayer Chapel to nationalprayerchapel.com. You can also join us on Sunday. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon.